Welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. Stand Up Tragedy is a live show and a podcast where we gather people together to stand up and do tragedy. It's a variety night, so we have comedians, spoken word artists, storytellers, musicians and more. But they're all looking at the sadder things in life. We want people to laugh until they cry and cry until they laugh. And we try to have a lot of catharsis to go with our sadness. But Stand Up Tragedy is about tragedy and so of course that means it does go to some sad places, so some dark places. Today's episode is Act 3 of Tragic Horror, which happened at the Hackney Attic last month. Although it's actually not Act 3 because for two reasons we decided to swap the order of the acts around. So what you're going to hear now is Act 2 that happened on the night. The reasons we swapped it are, first of all, that the act is a long-form act done by a storytelling cabaret act, and so it takes a little bit longer to mix down. So Harv needed a little bit longer to mix it down. It's a little bit like mixing an album down. And the second reason was because this is the last of our kind of new material that we're going to be putting out for a while because we haven't got any live shows coming up until February 2015. So we wanted to go out on a bang and our second act of Tragic Horror was a bang. It was a big thing. The largest amount of people we've had standing up on stage and doing some tragedy. Next week, we're going to be starting our selected tragedy season. We're going to be putting together some of the best performances that we've had over the last three years. We're going to be packaging them up, linked around a theme. So we're starting with Tragic Origins that looks at some of the origins of how stand-up tragedy came to be and how far we've come and showcases some of our favourite performances. We're also putting out tragedy on our blog, so check out our blog. It's at www.standuptragedy.co.uk. That's your portal to all things stand-up tragedy related. You can follow us on Twitter at standupfortragedy. You can friend us or like us on Facebook. So sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for Act 3 of Tragic Horror. So, our next act is going to be the biggest act we've ever had at Stand Up Tragedy. Uh, we, we don't even normally even have bands, but we've got a big band now, which is good, fun. I used to be in a big band, and it's, it's wonderful, but it's hell for the techs. Uh, but Harv was the tech in that big band, so he is used to it. Poor guy. Right, so yes, our, our next act. Oh, I should say as well, it feels a little bit haunted tonight, don't you think? Because we keep having the, the lights go out. I mean, I have no belief in ghosts whatsoever, so do with that what you like. But uh, if you do, uh, it could be haunted, couldn't it? We've had, we've had blackouts and that sort of thing, so that doesn't make it a very... That's not a very scary way of setting up the ghosts, is it? Um, and also, another thing I wanted to mention too is... Uh, when you have your next break, obviously go and have a look at the, the merch uh, table. Uh, there'll be uh, music from this band to look at there. But also, if you go downstairs, they're giving away free Baileys in a little bottle. So that is... Right, so the band as well. We'll all rush downstairs in the break. Free Baileys in a bottle downstairs in, in your break. There you go. I look after my audiences. So... OK. So... 
Our next performers, they are storytelling musical cabaret called The Mechanisms. Uh, you can find them at themechanisms.com. Put your hands together for The Mechanisms! Killers and renegades, liars and thieves. We are The Mechanisms. A band of immortal space pirates roaming the universe on the starship Aurora. Having fun, violence, adventure, violence, violence, it's mainly violence. In our time among the stars, we've seen many things, some beautiful, some horrible. This story falls most definitely into the latter category. Once upon a time, in a far-off sector of a very old galaxy, there lived a king. Long ago, he was a good king, a wise king. There were even those that called him Merry. But the treatments and technology that had extended his life throughout the millennia had warped his mind as they had withered his body. And soon his soul grew red with the lust for conquest. Old King Cole was a brutal soul, and a bloody red soul had he. He called for his mead and his gun so cold, and he called for his little pigs three. Now every piggy had a razor blade and sharpened it with glee. Oh, far and near, they all learned fear from King Cole and his little pigs three. Factories churn, bodies burn, stars are shining bright. It's your turn, now you learn how King Cole feasts tonight. Old King Cole was not missold, of years he had a hundred score. The dark appliance of infernal science would give him millennia more. And he would watch as the suns burned out, collapsing from their core. Oh, never to forgive he would eternal live, his hands dyed red by gore. Factories churn, bodies burn, stars are shining bright. It's your turn, now you learn how King Cole feasts tonight. Old King Cole had conquered and stole the wealth of a thousand sons. Surrounded was he by bodyguards three who murdered for their sovereign's fun. Arrayed in armor black as ebony, it did no good to run. What? Ever your task, the grim pig mask would tell you that your life was done. Factories turn, bodies burn, stars are shining bright. It's your turn, now you learn how King Cold feasts tonight. In the center of Xantine, capital city of New Constantinople, there stood a vast palace. Cavernous chambers by their hundreds were cared for by staff too numerous to count. While below, tunnels and passageways unused for a dozen lifetimes sprawled under the city like a spider's web, reaching every nook and lurking place. Somewhere in the center of this labyrinth stood a small, unremarkable room, roughly hewn from thick black rock, where King Cole sat on his white throne. His shriveled form seemed all the more withered on its ivory bulk. Surrounded as always by the three little pigs, silent guardians who never moved nor spoke as the blood pooled on the floor before their ruler. 
the feast was soon to begin. Old King Cole had a tale he told to those brought before his throne. Immense and white, it gleamed in the night, the color of sun-bleached bone. He'd whisper softly in their ears, the words were never known. None could tell what was said, save for the dead and the three little pigs alone. Factories churn, bodies burn, stars are shining bright! It's your turn, now you learn how King Cole feasts the night. As King Cole turned his envious eyes towards conquest, twins were born to one of the noblest families of his kingdom. Two beautiful baby girls named by their parents as Snow and Rose. As they grew, it became apparent that aside from the day of their birth, they had little in common. Snow was possessed of long, luxuriant black hair and became a gifted politician, always urging peace and diplomacy among the aging warmongers of the royal court. While Rose, with her short shock of scarlet hair, became the finest warrior of King Cole's army. And so it came to pass that the aging king, desperate for a force that could never be defeated, never be stopped as it marched, had Rose seized on her wedding day to become the genetic base of this unholy horde. Dr. Hansel, is this her? My liege, I was not anticipating. Of course not. I advertise my movements to nobody. So this is my finest warrior. Yes, the uh, <laughs> subject proved rather more resilient than anticipated, but rest assured, the first consignment will be ready within the month. Excellent, Doctor, excellent. You and your sister have served me well. Thank you, my liege. Soon we will have unending supplies of these exemplary warriors, knowing no pain, no fear, no... My dear Doctor, I have automata plenty. I want soldiers. Pain and fear are important tools of survival. A good soldier should be able to overcome them, but they must be there. Now, make sure she knows pain. And make sure she knows fear. Turn your home. 
thoughts of war can still burn higher. Carve that as your epitaph on your moss-covered stone. Soldiers came for Rose, they killed everyone at the wedding. There were only two survivors. The first was Snow, who managed to crawl to safety, though badly injured, and she lost much of herself in the process. No longer safe on New Constantinople, Snow gathered what allies she could, warriors, nobles, diplomats, and fled towards the safety of the periphery on the SS Anderson. But they were betrayed. A bomb, hidden in their food shipments in a crate of apples, detonated, crippling the ship, leaving it floating in space. Snow called the crew together. Dr. Lorenzo, what's our status? It's me, you and six others. But Colonel Chuko's badly injured. Mr. Greyditch, how's the ship? Simply put, we are dead. With the damage to the engines, it will take us three days to reach the periphery, and the oxygen pumping system is gone. Make peace with the gods, because we are going to die. What about some sort of override system? Couldn't we pump the air manually? Are you or, insane? Or... We don't have the time, we don't have the people, we don't have the equipment. We... It, it, it might work, but we just don't have the manpower, especially with Colonel Chuko confined to the sick bay. You see, oh, let's I told start you. listening to that grumpy old bastard, Doc. Medical bay wasn't hit, and I am so doped up right now, I feel like I could work forever. If the lady says pump, we pump. A man than I was most in life and hard is all a joke But he was not a brother This folks with both be boys before we show Come my boys, let her fly down to hell and up to the sky Bend your backs and break your bones We're just a million miles from home The image of my sweetheart's face Inspires the heart and sets the place Whatever the time, wherever the place I'll find him through the depths of space Come my boys, let her fly down up to the sky, bend your backs and break your bones. We're just a million miles from home. 
until I tell my bed Pleasant dreams inside my head The pumping's all I can step I'll only sleep among the dead Come my boys, let her fly down to hell And up to the sky, bend your backs and break your bones We're just a million miles from home My blood is pooling on the floor And every second I lose more But there's so many meds in store I'll do the work of three or four seconds Come my boys, let her fly down to hell And up to the sky, bend your backs and break your bones We're just a million miles from home the outer hall is shot to hell, the thrust has just one plasma cell My joints and muscles ache and swell, so fuck the roads and you as well Come my boys, let her fly down to hell and up to the sky Bend your backs and break your bones, we're just a million miles from home A transport mission gone awry, attacked by coal and left to dry Is no excuse, boys, let us cry Today is not the day we die Pump my boys, let her fly down to hell and up to the sky Bend your backs and break your bones, we're just a million miles from home After three days with no food, no water and no rest, Snow and the seven survivors of the Anderson reached the periphery. There, adopting the identity of General White, Snow began to form a partisan resistance and lead the fight back against the king. But there was another survivor of the wedding day slaughter. The bride. A princess, if you believe the tales, of a world long since fallen to the king's advance. Named for the ashes of her civilization, she was known only as Cinders. But it was she whom Rose loved, and she who Rose would have married were it not for the king's intercession. When the soldiers came, Cinders fled. And out in the stars, overcome by grief and longing, she began to search, swearing to find her love. Every moon, every world, longing for the day when the jewel on her glass wedding band would change from white into red to show that its twin was near, and with it her true love. And as she searched, she sang. Bye. 
My stepmothers and sisters betrayed our work and seeding. I look to the skies for you, my love. Oh, my love, as they took me to the prison. I look through the bars and saw you, my love. Oh, my love, my soul is better crimson you held me last in your arms my love together now we long to hear the matrimonial hymn sung eternally bow to you my love oh my love as the soldiers open fire on our wedding day I am my love forgive me my love as I fled forever higher I fled Yet I still search, I know they cannot hide you I look through the stars for you, my love My ring will take me to you and the life they have denied you I search through the stars for you, my love Oh, my love, we will finally be together I search through the stars for you, my love Oh, my love, in your arms Meanwhile, back on the periphery, Snow's revolution was going from strength to strength, and soon it began to spread. Every world, every planet touched by the king's bony hand, the, the resistance sprung up to fight back, from the forests of Baba Yaga, to the oceans of Ariel, to the warrens of Hamlin. And there were so many heroes among the resistance. Colonel Bell, the beautiful, a tactical genius guarded at all times by her savage husband, or the lady known only as the Red Hood, who would hack into their vehicles and ride them into battle using only her wolf virus. And they fought against monsters, such as Geppetto, known as the Butcher of Xantine for his cruel experiments into bio-augmentation, especially on children. But in all the annals of the resistance, no name shined brighter than that of Corporal John Spratt. Known to his friends as Mad Jack or Jack the Giant Killer after he single-handedly took down a rose-red behemoth. He was also known for standing without cover or, cover or camouflage during orbital bombardments as though daring the sky to strike him down. He was eventually captured and killed, of course. But if you tuned your radio just right of an evening, you might have heard the unofficial anthem of the resistance. Oh, when the red rose, it comes a-marching. Well, we will fight, we will fight, fight for our boy Jack. When the red rose, it comes a-marching. Spit in the face of history. When the giants, they come a-rolling Then we will fight, we will fight, fight for our boy Jack When the giants, they come a-rolling If we can slay them 
Jack was merely a boy gone to war too young. Unable to cope with the horrors, he turned to drink. He rarely took cover during orbital bombardments because he was often too drunk to stand. And it was his captain that killed the behemoth and died in the attempt, while Jack hid like a coward. Still, heroes have been made out of less, and as I recall, he died well. The war had been raging for some 30 years by this point. The mechanisms, the crew of the Aurora and myself have been watching this entire time, fascinated. I always find there's nothing like a good war to give a century a certain zest. But it was in this point we found something interesting. The Rose Reds were the most effective of the troops designed from Rose's genetic material, but they were not the first. Rumours spoke of an early prototype known as the Briar Rose that had malfunctioned killed everyone on the desert moon of Briar where she was being grown. She was decommissioned, but as the mechanisms and I discovered, she was not dead. Rather, she slept at the heart of the defense grid surrounding New Constantinople. The grid was composed main of, mainly of thorn-class gun emplacements and was virtually impenetrable, but there, at its heart, the Briar Rose slumbered. Her anger her rage and her hatred fueling the machines and focusing their gun turrets. And for some reason, this bothered Nastya, our engineer. We're not going to have a debate about this, Johnny. Look, I don't get it. We've been watching billions die for three decades and we've been having a great time. And now you want to go white knight over a science project with a broken snooze button. I don't buy it. You clearly weren't listening the first time I explained. No, I wasn't. Right, I'll explain again briefly. It's not me who is bothered about an electronic organism in pain. It is a spaceship. The Aurora. The sh Fuck the shit! I do. Ew! Anyway, Johnny, I'm nearly informing you out of courtesy, you see. I've already asked 
client who lay in the coordinates. Oh, an insubordinate piece of brass. I will have you melted. Well, I suppose there's no real danger. Not to us. And it has been a while since we had any really good violence. That's definitely true. All right. Let's go. until they explode. I will. See? It worked. Here within the central chamber Circled by the dead beauty sleeps Inching ever closer to freedom There beyond the glass Still she weeps Let's see what surprises The waking world will hold As gradually consciousness creeps As for what happened to our sleeping beauty That's a tale for another day The important point Is that the, the defense grid Surrounding New Constantinople was vulnerable And it didn't take the rebels long to notice The Red Hood 
Using a larger, more powerful version of her wolf virus quickly disabled the rest. Soon, every rebel ship for 200 worlds swarmed in the skies over Xantine, while on the ground, the last of King Cole's loyalist troops mustered for a final counterattack. And on that morning, the last any of them would ever see, General White and old King Cole addressed their troops, and the final gambit was begun. Cinders arrived, she knew from the colour of her ring that her love was near. Joining forces with the last of General White's troops, these days remembered as the noble 23, a lie but a pretty one. 
they descended into the Undercity to seek the throne room of the king. What they found were the three little pigs. The battle was brief and bloody, with rebels falling like chaff before their black iron of foes. And then Snow saw Rose, still in the glass life pod she'd been in for 30 years, and shattered it with a single bullet. Rose opened her eyes and her first sight was her sister Snow, falling lifeless to the floor with a bullet in her heart. Nothing could contain Rose's rage as she snapped, shattered, and broke the three little pigs, tearing their innards from them and leaving them nothing but empty, hollowed-out husks. And as she stood there, mired in viscera, she looked up, and there she saw cinders. And for one beautiful moment, Rose and cinders embraced. And then old King Cole shot Rose in the back. As she watched the life drain from her love, Cinder's eyes narrowed, her fist clenched, and her now scarlet ring plunged into the desiccated black heart of the king. There was an almighty crash as his throne split down the center. And then, silence. A long, Bitter silence, broken only by the sobbing of cinders, weeping over her lost love. Twenty-three warriors and a king laid in the battle has done the price of a long due reckoning laid in blood when the battle has done when the battle has done his mouth hangs open his eyes are wild with a gaping while around his split from the dead lie piled Bleeding blood when the battle has done Twenty-three warriors and no white Bleeding blood when the battle has done Fought like the devil in the dead of night has done, believed in peace, yet marched to war, shot through the heart, dead upon the floor, covered in her own and her sister's gore, laid in blood when the battle has done, with an army to lead and a war to win, put the bullet to dozens of her own kin, atoning for some vast and secret sin. While outside the door, many more lay dead. Bleeding blood 
This podcast was produced by me with music at the start from Sam Wilkinson and music at the end from George Brufton and the Reactionaries. Join us next week for volume one of our selected tragedy. It's going to feature Josie Long, Eddie Peppertone, Andy Zaltzman and me telling a story about Stuart Lee. So have a listen to that next week. And for now, the tragedy is...
It's time to 